0: I'm Fathery. This is Dave. This is Brian. And this is Text Trek. Engage. So, welcome back aboard the Starship, Texas, for the 94th installment of the Text Trek podcast, the home of Star Trek fandom from deep in the heart of Texas, where we talk all about Star Trek all the time. And as they say on Romulus, Jolantru.
1: Jolantru. What the shit? What was that one? That means hello. Oh, right, right. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I have, like, I have started, I needed, started keeping like a glossary... Of, uh, of all the terminology in this which is primarily romulan there's there's so much stuff to learn and every every episode has like three or four things I, so I do
2: love that we finally have an official romulan language well, that, that that I think is fun we should
0: say what we're talking about and that's Star Trek Picard oh great right. <laughs> episode four
1: absolute candor yes and absolute candor is exactly what you're going to get in this conversation absolute candor is what you give fathery that is uh you you are that is your version of the uh, was it the first First rule, first law. Uh, what's the what's the episode of Trek that you often use as a touchstone? Re- with uh, with with Wesley. First duty. Oh, first the first duty. duty. Yeah, yes. that's it. That's it. That uh, very much fits your uh, philosophy as a person. Uh, sure. Yeah, I like uh, that. My philosophy as a person is far more Romulan. <laughs> uh, I'm duplicitous. Yes. I have a door only to the back of my house, etc. Et You're a
0: creature who knows nothing but
1: deceit. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: I, I guess. And I'm so going so. to
1: stab you sometime during this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> With my, I, whatever the name of that sword is. Why would I want to talk
2: about my life when I could lie? That's <laughs> but, but yeah, we're talking about I this. Didn't make, I didn't make that up. I, I found that.
1: <laughs> ton Clunk? Something like that? I think that's this well, one, that's, one.
0: Yeah, you should never bring one of those to a disruptor fight. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: don't know. Our
0: guy, our, our boy in uh, this one does pretty all right with it. Well, uh, this episode was written by Michael Chabon and directed by Jonathan Frakes. And before we dive too deep into this episode, we're each just going to give a very quick opening statement about our general impressions.
2: So, uh, Brian, if you'd like to go first, and then we'll go down the line. I I thought this was delightful. I loved all the character beats and bits. Uh, I think, um, and I think this is my favorite one so far. I I, I love the little plot twists and revelations and and character stuff. So, yeah. Uh, I think that. Um,
1: uh, the, I was been waiting for the Romulan Bird of Prey uh, since the series began, and I finally got it, and so that's what I'm most excited about. Uh, but we also got a Romulan swordsman and some other stuff happened. Uh, but mainly I was there uh, for the awesome reverb sound effects of its disruptors on an ancient bird of prey. <laughs> um, I will say, like, uh, I, I realized in this episode I was I was slightly getting annoyed with the running <laughs> subplot of, uh, is it uh, Narek and his uh, sister, Handler? Uh, they their kind of meetings feel a little repetitious yes. as of this episode. And the, I was like, uh,
0: the Romu Lannisters. <laughs> <laughs> is that what the
1: internet's calling
0: them? It or, is.
1: I like it. Um, anyway, Hashtag Lannisters. I felt like that one was at, like, just that I had kind of seen it. It was that they didn't feel like they were pushing it forward as much as I might've liked. Um, but by and large, I was happy with the episode and I love seeing kind of, uh, some, some other planet stu- stuff, planet side stuff. Uh, as well as the, uh, you know, more details on this new Romulan faction, which we're going to talk about. Uh, and obviously our uh, our new swordsman, the Elf.
0: <laughs> or uh, better known as Elnor. Elnor, yeah. So, uh, Fathery? Uh, for me, I would say that this kind of feels like the first real episode of the show. And what I mean by that is I used to always have this philosophy with new shows, uh, especially back when TV was more episodic, that... You really don't get an idea for what the show is about, truly, until the second episode. Because your your first episode is always going to be, like, the big setup episode, and you have to introduce the main character, and it typically it, it feels like a pilot and not like a random episode. Right. A lot of times but, you're seeing stuff in that that'll
1: never be typical for the rest of the series. Exactly. But then when you get that second episode, it's a better idea of what to expect week to week. And you're so you're thinking of the three episodes as kind of as the movie. It's what they screen for critics and so on. And this is sort of like episode two, yeah.
0: Or like with Battlestar Galactica, the the first three episodes were the the miniseries, and then Absolute Candor was uh, what thirty three was like the first real episode of BSG. Uh, yeah, that sounds uh, yeah. sounds right. So, um, kind of kind of like that. Um, but yeah, like I, I really dug it and I look forward to see the character Picard continue his mission and hopefully each episode he gets to do like his own little cool side mission that ties into that bigger story doing side
1: quests right now in the RPG. <laughs> yeah, but they all kind of like tie into like the bigger story. Right, it's like in Mass Effect when you have to recruit people and each one of them has kind of side story elements, but it's basically about recru- recruiting somebody before you go up against the big bad.
0: Yeah, and this was like a, a recruitment story. We got a, a new uh, character and now like the
1: main crew of Star Trek Picard is complete. Uh, you could argue that the, 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 all the previous ones were kind of recruitment episodes, too, or at least two episodes two and three.
0: Kind of. I mean, like, we got Agnes Gerardi in the first episode, and then we get Raffi Massacre briefly in the second episode for just, like, a couple seconds at the end. And then we got Chris Rios in the third episode.
1: In the first so, episode, it felt like, in fact, Picard was being recruited uh, by uh, a soon-to-be-doomed android. Um, but, um, but yeah, he was like, he was recruited himself. (laughs) Uh, and then he became the recruiter. Uh, Father, do you want to go ahead and give us the, the recap of everything that went down in this episode?
0: Sure. I'll go ahead and give you the short answer, just like Dr. Girardi gave in episode one. Mm Mm-hmm. Picard now has his ship finally and a crew, but before he goes off to Free Cloud to look for Bruce Maddox, he takes a detour to a Romulan colony world. The planet is inhabited by Romulan refugees he was able to relocate to safety before his supernova rescue mission was halted by Starfleet. These refugees include a sisterhood of Romulan warrior nuns, and Picard recruits Elnor, or Elf Boy as we sometimes call him, and uh, he's been trained by these warrior nuns and is a deadly badass himself and is now sworn to Picard and Picard's mission to save data's daughter oh and seven of nine shows up again
1: father you got through that whole description without mentioning the romulan bird of prey i don't even know why we listened to (laughs) i need the slightly longer short answer (laughs)
0: well the uh bird of prey really had very little relevance to the plot here yeah it's true Um, it was
1: and honestly it was there to kind of look cool and i have to admit fan service it was very fan service sure I admit I was disappointed that we didn't get to see some on-screen vision or an interior bridge shot of its uh, warlord captain. Uh, I, I feel like he, he could have added some menace to those scenes and said it's just, it comes out of warp and starts attacking, which is kind of cool too. But uh, I wanted, uh, I think I wanted that slightly more personal threat that comes from seeing the bad guy on the big, on the big screen. Well, it is
0: more of a traditional Romulan attack from what we know of like the That's Earth-Romulan true. war and Enterprise in the deadly years where yeah. they didn't bother with, like, on-screen communication.
1: Since they did know who this warlord was, it was, like, K- Katar or something like that?
0: Kar-Kantar. Um, what is it? Kar-Kantar. Kar-Kantar. Which, which sounds know... a lot like uh, Kyle Katarn from the Other Star <laughs> franchise. <laughs> it's messing
1: with my head. Uh, since they didn't know who he was, uh, or at least Captain Rios did, I almost would have liked to have, the, like, some pull up some data on him or something. But you're right. I think this is probably, honestly, more fan service than it was, like, really plot relevant. So, um, yeah, I, I it's a minor complaint. It, minor it, complaint.
0: Any, any other Star Trek show would have shown who was on that ship, yeah, I think. Yeah. But uh, I don't I don't want to spend too much time talking about the Bird of Prey, because it actually, like, didn't <laughs> well, play it. I'm going to hijack
2: the whole episode. I, I, I have to say, the fact that it appears to just come out of nowhere and then get dealt with and doesn't tie back into any of the storylines is kind of irritating. I kind of want Seven of Nine to say, oh yes, the pirate was hired by blah 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 to come in here and kill you, Picard. Well, Fortunately, I got here in time. Maybe she'll say that in the next episode. Yeah, yeah. if she
0: says that, then I'm fine with it. Well, let's uh, break down this episode in more detail. Okay, Starting with the very beginning, before the title sequence, we get a prologue. Fourteen years before the main events of the show, this was around the same time as the synth attack. Mm -hmm. We actually see, like, Picard, when he gets the news of what happened to Mars, makes it a little weird in Children of Mars when they immediately have on the news, uh, Admiral Picard to react to Mars' attack. (laughs) Right, like, as if
1: it happened, uh, like, within seconds or something? Yeah,
0: like, uh... As if, like, he wasn't, like, totally caught off guard, off world,
2: uh, on this Romulan we can, colony of... I would have had FNN beams down suddenly right in front of Picard and stuffs a microphone in his face. <laughs> yeah, just like in Star Trek Generations.
0: <laughs> yeah. But this, this planet is, uh, called Vasti in the Kiris sector, somewhere in the Beta Quadrant. Mm-hmm. And what I think we can assume is, uh, former Romulan Star Empire territory.
1: You know what, uh, um, uh, first of all, I thought it looked good and I liked seeing all these sort of traffic in the orbit around it there, just on a purely visual level that was presumably oh.
0: refugee stuff going on. I hated on. that because those are all discovery shuttles that shouldn't uh, exist in the sky. Uh, yeah,
1: I don't, I, and, and usually I don't key in on that. I was just like, it's a busy or, orbital, uh, area and that conveyed the idea to me of, of, of that this place that is a hub of, 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 uh, I don't know, action. Um, and, uh, <laughs> Uh, that there was also, um, there was kind of some interesting new music in there that I picked up on that they used several times throughout the episode to set the tone there that was a little bit more, uh, for lack of a better word, slightly more exotic music, the kind that, you know, sort of like Middle Eastern marketplace hinting at that kind of string instrument style. So. Jefferson's
0: score really impressed me in this episode but not during the prologue stuff and some some other sequences later yeah and, and it
1: might not have been in this they they of course they cut we'll see this plant several times um but but for sure it was noticing it uh on the on those sequences
2: yeah I really liked just getting to see romulan culture and and you know a town and romulan civilians doing their civiliany thing wide variety of uh, racial types hairstyles yeah uh. Forehead uh, ridged or not.
1: Yes, yes. Um, a suggestion of all the different Romulan eras, I think, right? Yeah, I think yeah. we kind of glimpsed TNG, TOS, uh, as well as their sort of newer look. Yes. You know, like the,
0: Some bald Romulans look very reminiscent of, of 2009. But we also get to meet the uh, Coat Malot.
1: Yeah, this so, is one of their bigger reveals uh, that, that the show will have uh, as far as, I guess, the Romulan culture goes yeah yes. and this is
0: this is that that sisterhood of warriors that uh teach us about the the way of absolute candor yep and where they they unlike most romulans they live in uh completely pl- truthful com- way yeah complete honesty and i thought that was uh like it bothered me at first when we see little kid eleanor who, who when picard shows up in his weird uh white suit
2: Yeah, what was up with
0: that? I hate like the civilian clothes on the show sometimes look exactly like modern day clothes and it bothers me. It
2: wasn't so much that it looked like modern day Is why is he needing a uniform if he's here on Starfleet Business? Patrick Stewart didn't really like
0: wearing a uniform and kind of didn't want to do it and he only did it for like that one scene in the previous episode. Is this
1: a, I'm older and I don't look as good in a skin tight sort of uniform? That's probably part of it. But, But that's, I'll say this, I actually liked it. I feel like with him interacting with Romulans who may have a strong distrust of Starfleet, we know they do. That him, they, they probably said, "Hey, if you might even want to dress civilian style." Uh, I think you can make an argument. Uh, certainly, the entire prequel comic series emphasized how a lot of Romulans do not trust the Federation on this whole evac mission. But he
2: still has the badge very prominently displayed. Yeah, so, well, you know he can stick it under the jacket yeah, if he really can't throw trying. everything out. <laughs>
1: You got it, and plus it looks cool. But but yeah, he looked like he was like, it was like, what do they call it, a Panama suit? It was like yeah. a white suit with a white hat. Yeah. Had a little bit of that kind of like, you know, touring American, but also a little bit of an Explorer vibe, I think. Um, it definitely felt a bit retro, but I thought, I don't know, I thought it was cool. It bothered me when this little kid
0: asks him, uh, what did you bring me? Yeah. Because I'm like, well, oh, that's like really rude and selfish. But then like when you learn of, uh, oh no, like, Whatever you think, you just say, like, it makes sense. Well,
1: the, um, I'm going to blank on her name. but Zanny. Zanny, the head of the Coet Malat, uh, she says, uh, she's like, Picard doesn't like children, don't bother him. And, and I'm like, well, that is true, uh, most (laughs) of the time, uh, but you see that, A, this is a Picard that who's, who's clearly softened, uh, and he, he really has a, has some warmth that he extends towards the kid, um... So, but yes, you you sort of find out after the fact that some of that initial bluntness was because that is their philosophy.
0: Yeah, and it's also a Picard who is after his nephew burnt to death in a house fire. Yeah. Um,
1: Might be, uh, he's like, you could be my new nephew.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he becomes like the surrogate child to the guy who like regrets not having a family and regrets losing his nephew. Mm -hmm. And this orphan gets a
1: surrogate father. Yep, and he gets a copy of Three Musketeers, which, by weird coincidence, I'm listening to the audiobook of it right now. Oh, and that is so weird. I literally, like, the sequence he read is, I, I know the, uh, like, two or three days prior I had heard that sequence.
2: <laughs> is, is there a Patrick Stewart reading of that book? Because there needs to be. <laughs> um, I don't believe there
1: is. It's a pretty puffy book, so he's going to have to sit down for uh-huh. a few hours. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's uh, he's an enthusiastic reader, and I think he'd probably be pretty good at yeah, it. Yeah. It's also, like, very French. Oh, yeah, for sure. But... He doesn't say Alexander Dumas. He says Alexander Dumas, you know? <laughs> um.
0: But we get answers to some of the questions we had last week about like, okay, if the rescue mission was prevented, then how were there some Romulans that were saved? So it looks like the rescue mission had already been in progress, had already started moving some people off world. He Then while well, he's hanging out here teaching sword play to the little kid Elnor, he gets the news that okay, there was that attack on Mars. So then, immediately after this, you think we'd have like the events we saw in last week's flashback, where they get the news that the ongoing rescue mission is now canceled and Picard has
1: resigned. Yeah, presumably the sequence that ends th- that that they end with this week, which is him going back to see what goes on, will shortly thereafter lead to the events flashback previously his last-ditch effort to convince Starfleet to find a way to keep the effort going. And it makes me wonder if we'll continue to get more of these flashbacks.
0: I kind of like them, and I like this uh, form of storytelling, but we really have all the mysteries resolved now, except for the mysteries that are mysteries of the characters. Like, what was, like, the Tal Shiar's involvement? What made the sense go crazy? We don't know what's going on with the Borg. Right, but, like, neither neither do the people in the show. Oh, with, like, the Borg Cube, you mean? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, that is true. So maybe they'll start showing flashbacks of, like, the Romulan side and, like, that, explain, like, this Borg yeah, Cube's mystery. That's mysteries. kind of my hunch is w- of yeah. where we're going, but... Being right mysterious. now, or, well, like, what, what how did Hugh end up there? Because I feel like all the stuff with, like, Picard and Raffi and the Romulans and Picard's resignation from Starfleet, I feel like at this point we now know all of that stuff, or yeah. at least anything that would be necessary
1: Elnor's story actually very much parallels the uh issues that uh, Raffi had with Picard, which is to say uh you were once really close to me, then something happened and you got jarred and sent off and you know you kind of went off on your own and then you never stayed in contact. Uh it, it's interesting because I kind of it felt it feels sort of realistic to me that Picard is you know we talked about this top possibility when we were trying to figure out or we were doing our list of what we hope to see from the show is like, well, is Picard going to be sad? Is he going to be confident? Is he going to be sad regaining his confidence uh, or what? But the, you know, the question was, um, the growth he showed on Next Generation, was he going to regress? And he clearly did. That is the story that they, that they have decided to tell, which is to say that he kind of lost contact with people. Uh, and a lot of them hold kind of grudges over it.
2: <laughs> you said the hermit of... Uh...
1: The hermit of Labar. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. The hermits don't get tend to get out much. Oh, just technical thing. The de-aging effects when he, uh, when we see these flashbacks with him continue to be good. Yes. And you got to see him fencing with the kid in this one, which was fun. Yeah. A little did, bit of action.
0: Oh, although I didn't think like, the de-aging here looked as young as it did last time. So that was a mm-hmm. little jarring, but it wasn't a big deal. Like, still, like, his wrinkles were clearly less deep.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I I think it might have just been, like, kind of a lighting thing. I I had had a question when I was first watching the episode, and then after it was over, I thought about it for three seconds and said, well, duh, that's the answer. But my question was, aren't there any refugee Remans on this planet? And Then I thought, oh, yeah, the sun's up. They they probably come out after the sun goes (laughs) down, but we don't, except for the one Firefly book reading scene, we get nothing after the sun's gone down. (laughs) So there are probably Remans all over the place, but we're just not seeing them. I would be fine if all the Remans got... Cooked in the Nova. Well, there were a like, Well
1: Let me let me let me see what if I can phrase that right. You you would be fine if all the ethnic minority Romulans died. Yes.
2: <laughs> uh, since they're all like fictional people and don't matter. Then sure. Yeah. Having a Riemann wander by in the background on it the really board. Like, cube would be a perfect. That, that would got be all a these, good use. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I, agree. I would. I will be disappointed if we make it through the whole series, season, without one meant use of the word Riemann.
1: Yeah, let's get a hashtag running there. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Hashtag, hashtag
2: you know, where's the Riemanns. Yeah,
1: hashtag hashtag the- Riemann
0: representation. representation. Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, one, one last thing about the prologue. Uh,
0: that was kind of silly that Picard had a Bluetooth thing in his ear, just so they could have like this convenient one-sided conversation with him and Rafi, but... Oh, did he? I thought he was yeah. just
2: holding his communicator no, up to he, like, his ear. He like tapped his ear. Oh, okay. I wasn't. I.
3: I, I
0: but whatever. Yeah. Uh, eh, this the show is going to do like the more convenient things and not do the adherence to uh, the how the
2: technology traditionally works things. But I, I was impressed that they had a Romulan. The, the Romulan senator later on has a comm badge just like Starfleet that he, he in the same spot yeah. as Starfleet. I was like, that's a very Starfleet way to do your communicating, Mr. Romulan. <laughs> I, I'm not sure if I approve it of it being that Starfleet. But <laughs>
1: maybe, maybe they had like um, some Starfleet tech to, to get them on their feet yeah. and stuff like that. Well, and they had to kind of pick up some Starfleet ways, B- making it all the more bitter. Yes. Majorians had comm badges also, so it's, yeah, not, yeah. it's not Starfleet exclusive. No, no. But even they put them
0: on
2: the other side of the uniform just to <laughs> shake it up no, a little bit. Just to
0: remind us they were different and Alien.
2: Exactly, which is why they should have done it with the Romulans. <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk about, like, Picard's
0: mission on board the La Serena, the... Ship changes course, and instead of going to Free Cloud, they're going to the uh, the planet of of Bashti, And we learn that the Keras sector is actually full of crime. Yeah, and there's something. What are the what do they calling them? What kind of the
1: Fenris Rangers or something? The, yeah,
0: the the Fenris Rangers.
1: Yeah, Which, they're, they're trying to sort of keep order in it. That sounds a little. It does. Babylon Fivey. Yeah, <laughs> well, only because they trademarked the name Ranger for space. Go <laughs> go, Fenris Rangers! <laughs> yeah.
2: I do feel like we're getting an idea that the the. As you might expect, the destruction of the, uh, of an entire, of the, the heartland sector of Romulan space has apparently put the star, caused the star empire to largely go to hell. And while there are some fenris cops running around trying to maintain some sort of order it's also clear that there's more space and colonies than there are fenris to go around right and there's pirates and there's there's exciting things Yes. yes, we we needed a little bit of lawless space yes yes yes, it is a a, i like i approve of the fact that it's kind of a mess
1: that's quite likely why uh, uh rafi was like what the hell are you doing going there (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah. uh, she did not approve of this little side side quest. It also adds to Picard's burden for not managing to find a better solution <laughs> to this ma- problem
1: What so. did
0: y'all think of the initial conversation between uh, Rios and Dr.
2: Uh, the Why the, 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 view the negative? We should have it be this vast area of lots of stuff I laughed my ass off. Does at that. does she come off as annoying or is she like fun and relatable? I liked her. I like her a lot. I, I wasn't really sure what they were going to do with her, and then after watching this episode, I was like, "Oh, she's fun. She she she's artillery or whatever. We need more more of her in in scenes." I like. She's that. definitely
1: like you know what? When I started thinking about this, she sort of has a, a like a kind of a blunt way of talking and a sort of nervous way of talking. She clearly likes to be around people, although that could also be if she ends up being a traitor. Who knows? That's a Kind of wild theory. But uh, she's also gained, asking a lot of compulsive questions to get information. Yeah. Um, but uh, the way she's doing it and the way she kind of views things in a slightly literal way uh, and kind of talks talks that way. Um, she bluntly tells him that his book sounds boring and, you know, uh, this is talking to Captain Rios. Uh, I wouldn't say it sounded boring. It sounded like she didn't know. Sarcastically, she sarcastically she's like, "Well, I really do want to talk about the existential crisis." Well, it sounded like she didn't really want to have like a a deep dark
0: conversation like that. Like, right? That's kind of like a mood killer, is how I interpreted it.
1: Uh, but, I felt like she had a certain engineer vibe, and and I don't. Uh, she's like a roboticist, not an engineer per se. She, uh, in fact, I, I guess they were forbidden from doing practical application stuff. But she, but it sort of felt reasonable that a, a person personality like that would kind of come from what she's done yeah she's
0: like a tech nerd
1: yeah um that conversation
0: though about as chris rios put it in describing his book the existential pain of living with the consciousness of death Uh (laughs) uh-huh that did get me thinking what if chris rios died and the version that we're seeing is like a hologram of like he like transferred like his memories into the ship and that's why there's all these other holograms that look like him. It's like different fragments of his personality. We yeah, assume we, have,
2: we haven't seen him off the ship, have we? Yes, we assume nice. he's the
1: main guy. But or yeah, he's the one guy, but he's the one real one, but maybe not.
2: Oh,
1: but uh, I do remember, like when they re-
2: did
0: like the initial casting call, and we first started getting some of the descriptions for these characters. There was a call for like an ex uh, Starfleet guy, mm-hmm. um, who uh, eventually became Chris Rios. But there is. They were also looking for a character to play an emergency medical hologram, uh, like maybe like a newer version than the, like the the doctor from Voyager. It's interesting. And it made me wonder: what if they combined their hologram character with like their ex Starfleet character into Chris Rios? But I don't know. That's like just my theory. If we ever see him off the ship, it will disprove that if uh but it hasn't happened yet yeah maybe maybe he goes off the ship at free cloud i didn't watch the trailer for next week so i guess we'll find out next week if if that uh holds any water or not but it would be a little weird if uh i don't want like everyone on this show to like have like this crazy twist where if they're like oh dr gerardi is actually a ai herself or like some secret agent of of maddox or of Commodore O or something. And then also have like, oh, Chris Rios is actually a guy who died and now he's a hologram.
2: And Well, so, I, think, I think we're going to get at least one more surprise AI. Because they keep hinting there are more of them out there and we need to find them. So somebody's going to turn which, out, maybe not one of Picard's crew, but somebody somewhere is going to turn <laughs> out to be an AI. Somebody is a Cylon. Yeah, yeah. That's um, I, I'm sure because they keep saying there's more of them out there, and I, I bet there's gonna be a whole lot more of them. Like not like five or six, but like hundreds or or maybe even more than that. Um I uh shazammed the music that was
1: playing when uh Dr. Geroty walks in on him. The band is called Cabarets and Matadors. The song was called There Must Be a Way. Um now I have no idea if it has any relevance, having like looked at it to see if there's if it was purely instrumental or if there was any music.
2: But it was kind of a catchy little laid-back tune, so I'm gonna I'm gonna look into it. Getting uh, before we move on too far, having a big reveal about what got him thrown out of Starfleet, at least unless they were lying about that, and having the reveal that he's a holodeck might be one too many reveals for but a character. It, unless it was at like the level. same
0: things he talks about, like his captain died on like yeah. some mission and they like they classified his ship. Yeah. So if he had died there too and yeah. like came back as a hologram, mm-hmm. and then like being a hologram, he's kind of like a ghost. And he's, like, wondering, like, if he's real or not. And that's why he's he's reading the type of literature that well, he's yeah, reading. Yeah, I mean,
2: he wouldn't be going to the trouble of having somebody pull a a, a hunk of metal out of his shoulder but that unless, was, unless he doesn't know he's a hologram. But,
0: no, that that could have all just been, like, a dog and pony show for, like, when Picard came on board the ship. It's a pretty weird he, uh, he dog did, and pony he show. Did, <laughs> he, he did do that, like, initially, like, right when Picard came on board. Yeah. And then, like, he... he didn't He didn't want, like, the hologram to, like,
1: uh, patch him all the way up after the shrapnel was removed. and It would make sense. He seems to be irritated by these personalities, which is kind of weird because you would presume he programmed them uh, or whatever. Uh, but if he's kind of at odds with himself, which is a very sort of fitting thing for somebody dealing with existential angst... That could be why they annoy
2: him. <laughs> he he annoys himself. The personalities might have come prepackaged, and he just overlaid his image and voice onto them too. He might be stuck with the personalities because that's a little beyond Maybe. his programming ability. Look, we know that he uh, fucking hates that
0: hospitality hologram,
1: <laughs> right? It was a, it was a, another f bomb in the uh, Trek pantheon.
0: Yeah, um, which I don't think we need to call those out anymore because it's happened half a dozen yeah. times and. Three different episodes on two different shows. So, yeah, Star Trek is the place where they say fuck sometimes. Yeah. yeah so, get yeah. over it.
1: Yeah, and I don't, I
2: don't think we need to, so.
1: I would agree.
0: Just,
2: we'll just fucking... I didn't even it. notice it this time. <laughs>
0: so. uh, yeah, it sounded very natural. But uh, that Hospitality Hologram, this one has an American accent, so it continues to like, give each one a different accent.
1: I was reading somebody's, I think, recap of it, and I think a, they're like a slightly dodgy American accent or something like that. <laughs> On this uh, holodeck, we get like the recreation of Picard's study yep. from
0: back home at the Vineyard, so they can continue to reuse the set.
2: Yeah, I'm um, not sure if I like that. I kind of want Picard to be in space now, and yeah. going back to that set just makes me feel like we're... We're going backwards and looking in the wrong direction. Give him a recreation of
0: of his old ready room. Now that something. would have been fun. I did like the conversation in there between him and Raffy when he's trying to like explain to her why this is important. When she's trying to talk him out of like, no, don't go here. We gotta. Uh, what, what did she say? Oh, it's like uh, what, what we what we used to tell each other one impossible thing at the time, and we gotta yeah. keep like uh, we gotta we gotta stay on course, stay on mission. And I know I know that you're guilty about the kid. And then he tells her, uh, Raffi, I may not pass this way again.
2: Yeah, see, that that was when it suddenly made sense to me. Why? Because he didn't mention it earlier. His plan to go out and find Data, save Data's daughter or whatever, was probably significantly altered contextually when he heard, oh, yeah, you're getting the mind mess up and your brain's gonna go in iromatic syndrome or whatever. Uh, and that probably changed. Oh,, uh, this is my last chance to get my bucket. The list clock. Done. The yeah. clock is yeah, ticking. yeah, this is not just save data's daughter. This is save my soul. This is my last mission. Yeah. so yeah, is there any I always meant to go back and see this kid, and I could use a little muscle, and that's my rationale for justifying it. Arguably, it's a kind of like something that might be very
1: time sensitive. It's a particularly bad time to indulge your guilt, but he he de- I think he does genuinely think, he, needs this, he also needs this badass. Yeah, I think yeah.
0: that was a good justification, and I also like the idea of reminding the audience that he does have this ticking clock, and that, like... Yeah, I guess like when you do get that old, you do have to start thinking about... Uh, this might be my last
1: opportunity to do this. Yeah. Might be your last opportunity to hire uh, a kid ninja. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: though he didn't actually well, know the kid was still there until he got there. He was looking for one of the female assassin nuns. Right, that's uh, true. So...
1: Yeah, but but uh, he was hoping to make some peace with the kid if he was there. But Rafi
0: knew that that was about the kid too, though. So like. He, All right. He was expe- he was expecting so- to see Elnor on this colony. Somewhere. Okay,
2: because he also seemed surprised. What you didn't find a proper family for him? Uh, no, you kind of dropped him on us and ran away. Oh, oh yeah, I guess. I
0: did. Well, maybe he was expecting to see like a uh, adult Elnor, maybe like in college, at home, with like his new family, or, like across the street, somewhere else, this little colony yeah, town. I suppose. Yeah. Um, but let's let's talk about the uh, the colony Vashti. When when they arrive, it is like that weird security with all the drones. Even though like Romulans don't like artificial intelligence, but they still have like drone security.
1: I guess drones are a little ways out from AI,
0: even though all their computers only do mathematical calculations.
2: I mean, those are oh. basically just floating guns. Okay, but but a drone just means it can be remotely controlled. That's in what fact, I was thinking. Most of our drones are controlled by organic people in real time. That's what I was thinking. So. That
0: maybe it's like how we do with like our real life military stuff.
2: We have like somebody controlling a drone from yeah. see it. I, and it also seemed like, oh well, I guess if the Star Empire has gone to hell this badly, you probably need all these defensive just to protect you from crazy gratuitous pirates in ancient warships. Um, What was weird
0: is that when Picard gets there and you see like the Romulans only sign, um, which obviously is a callback to uh, segregation in the United Mm -hmm. States, I guess, as well as other places, where you you would see whites only. Um, But yeah, like Picard's like, oh yeah, this colony really went to shit. And he he catches up with uh, Zani and the Co-op Malat, and then Rafi is like... Picard, you're blowing up on social media. Like, everyone is tweeting about this. Like, you're, you're trending
2: right now. Uh, and not in a good way. Yeah, not in
1: a good way. It was kind of funny. You're paraphrasing, but that's pretty close to what it was. Yeah, that's how I like, it. And when we saw, when he walked by one of those cafes, somebody spotted him. They talked into a new communicator. Clearly, channels were buzzing around it. Um so but yeah it was kind of funny <laughs> and he's, he was a little like
0: standoffish when they're they're like oh shit the uh, bird of prey just showed up We're, we got uh this badass over here like in the grass High, so like. looks like we got a badass over here and like <laughs> not sarcastically they're like oh no this is car cantar and picard's
2: just like you do what you need to do picard out <laughs> what's he gonna do I mean, <laughs> yeah he, he can't he can only beam up yeah. if the window's right He's probably not going to be able to give them any decent tactical or tactical advice from the surface without being able to see any of the displays. Do the Picard maneuver. Well, yeah, that only works if they don't have subspace sensors, um, which it is an old ship, so that might have actually worked now that I think about it. <laughs> um, I think it's a retrofitted old ship yeah. is what I assume. But... Yeah. Um, I don't know, given the, how how these smaller ships were able to in- inflict significant damage on it, indicates that at least its shields hadn't been updated in a hundred years. Just, uh, just a reminder oh. that the Picard can be a little cranky at some what was he going to do? Well, he can't, I think, he if nothing can't. else, he I felt like he could have been, like, he he should could have have been
1: ex- like, "Oh my God, do whatever you need to do, keep yourselves safe." Right? It's he did not. He did not express a grave concern over the warlord's attack ship. That was threatening his friends. Yeah, it, who he it, pulled, he pulled her in to help him out. Yeah. And he's he's on a mission of trying to alleviate guilt. You would think that he would be a little more concerned about killing somebody else off and building up more it, guilt. His
2: Romulan caretaker said, "Go pick some people for this mission that you don't care if they die," and he did. So. <laughs> that guy was no. paraphrasing and putting it in his own words. <laughs> it was pick people that don't care if you die. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <fair>. <laughs>
1: Uh, but I, I'm with you, Fathery. I kind of would have liked to have seen him at least, yeah, be more concerned. Sort of feel like, okay, I need to, I need to haul ass on it, what
0: I'm doing. It didn't necessarily bother me. It's just I just thought it was kind of interesting that like this Picard can be like a little bit of like a grumpy old man.
1: Yeah, he can. He we, we've seen him be cantankerous. Arguably, that's what. Set in motion his uh, his rift with Starfleet. His his interview. He couldn't keep it in anymore.
0: But uh, let's talk about like meeting Elnor when he when he sees that uh, he's still here with the uh, the co-op Malat. Yeah, the
2: that... the co-op Malat. Do you uh, do you think we're going to get any more of them now that we're off uh, 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 at this point? Aside from. From Elmore,
0: I don't think that they're going to be major players. Right. We might cross paths with them again
2: because they talk about how their their philosophy is diametrically opposed to traditional Romulan. Philosophy. Yeah, and they're the the enemies of the Tal Shiar. And the enemy. so they must be an underground. Must have at least in the past have been an underground movement, or because they... the Tal Shiar just would have you know squashed them. Or if People they do... if they had
0: like their own planets that they that they were in control of, or like maybe like the the government had some type of like separation of powers between them, like they're. I, I don't know if they'll ever, like, go in like, full explanation for it, but, I, yeah, I do like this idea of, like, <laughs> there's this ancient order of uh, these these Romulan badasses that are uh, against the Tal Shiar. It's a neat
1: idea, yeah. and, and to me, more because their philosophy opposes common Romulan wisdom. Yeah. And I, and I think that's just, that's interesting. It's a good addition. Um, to, to juxtapose this, I don't particularly remember any additions to the Klingon mythos from Disco Season 1, that I was like, oh, that was neat. But I probably hit like half a dozen additions to the Romulan mythos in here that I've either thought that's kind of cool or or, or very cool.
2: Yeah, and I love the order. I just, how did, when the Star Empire was at the height of its power and the Tal Shiar had the entire empire living in fear... How did these people interact with that? Were they just such a noble, sacred thing that they got special perks? I could, I could see an argument. were they like Spock's underground movement or, or Shinzon's underground movement where they, they kind of had to work in hiding? And maybe now that the Empire's in disarray, they can kind of be more public. Yes. Let's talk about like
1: Elnor himself yes. and how he, he has an he- Australian accent.
0: Well, he's an Australian actor.
1: He doesn't really have much of an accent, I I, I didn't think. It, th- but... it threw me off just a bit when, when something would come out Australian. And this is purely... I mean, you know, we're all we're very used to British accents. Uh, this, is, this is also a very minor complaint. But it did throw me a little.
0: I've, I've seen him in, like, interviews and stuff. And he definitely, like, downplays his accent to, like, a more neutral Anglo accent
1: than... I think there were there were times, I think, when he, like, came out to defend Picard in the cafe or something like that. Where I was like, oh... It came through pretty strong there. Yeah. Anyway, didn't have much to do with his character though, yeah. who is, uh, who I liked. And he should have a little bit of like a different exotic type voice. Sure,
0: because he's a different exotic type character. Huh. Um, the, the idea with him is that he's been trained to be one of these Kal- Malat warriors called the kolankai or, uh, Free Blade, I guess is the translation. Mm-hmm. But he can't really be one because like they're all women in this order. Yep. But the idea is that you can go to one of these people and, if you have a worthy cause, they will quote-unquote bind their sword to your mission and will serve you on that quest. A worthy lost
1: cause.
3: <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> Which I,
1: I loved. I was like, that's great. Am I correct <laughs> they, that they kind of kept that... They didn't tell you that it was had to be a lost cause until near the end of the yes. episode. Yeah. Yes, that was sort of almost like the punchline. That was why Picard yeah. was like, "I think he's going to be interested." <laughs> Which is you know, <laughs> and when you rewatch it, is pretty funny. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, I actually, um, I have uh, my friend Anna, who's been on the podcast before. Uh, she was really into this episode, and she she likes the sort of warrior sex and things in, in uh, fiction. So she was Romulan warrior nuns, and this guy, this guy really, really added something to her. And I do think there is something kind of cool about Trek occasionally having somebody who is a physical combatant, like Worf or, you know, Kirk and even Spock and those guys mm. were pretty good when it came to a uh, dust-up. Like
0: myself, Anna is also familiar in the ways of absolute candor.
1: Uh, yeah, I'd say <laughs> that's a fairly reasonable assessment.
0: Uh, that's why I like her more than you. <laughs>
1: Uh, I'm, I'll run. and stab you in the back for it later. I don't even need to react now. <laughs>
0: but the, uh, the I like the conversation between Picard and Elnor uh, I like that he was like, "Oh, so how does this work? Like, do I have to get on my knees or anything? Because my yeah. knees aren't what they used to be." I like, <laughs> I like I like whenever they remind us of his of his age and like that frailty mm-hmm. that comes with that. But Elnor's like, no, you tell me a story. And then I love the line, usually a sad story.
2: And then he immediately follows it up with, he died. With, <laughs> yeah, Data's dead. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had a friend named Data. Uh, it needs to be a sad story. He died. Yes. You know what I like well about with. the uh, this, this Romulan sect and what, what
1: Elnor is going to bring to it? He's an interesting challenge, I think, to the writers. If he's going to always be candid, if he's going to always say what he speaks the truth, then he's going to be a constantly interesting foil when people are trying to tiptoe around things. He's going to be the guy who bluntly says, "'The elephant in the room.'" He's also going to mean that it's a, like it's harder for them to be dishonest around each other. Like it's an interesting writer's challenge, I think. Yeah, he's kind of going
0: right to be now. the Spock of the show. He's <laughs> going to be like the the one who's like the most alien, or like right. like the Odo or yeah. the Saru. Yeah. He he is the character who's going to be like the most alien person in the crew, and it's going to be like this. Uh, even though we've seen Romulans before, <laughs> this is still going to be like a new culture and a a new kind of like outlook on life that we're going to get in. Uh, Star Trek Picard, which every Star Trek show really tries to like make a contribution like that through one of their characters.
2: He's also, um, unlike every... Well, I suppose uh, uh, the cyberneticist. Um, uh, Agnes, Dr- Agnes Jurati. Dr- yeah, Agnes. Um, aside from her, he's also pretty inexperienced, I suspect. He's never left the planet. He's never lived, quote-unquote... Right. And he um, did kill casually, which caused Picard to say,
1: look, yeah, you're going to have to do yeah. that only when I say so.
2: Yeah, but so, I'm I, I expecting we're looking at a very hyper-specialized character who has very no real points in social skills or streetwise or <laughs> any of those other things. It's, it's a very this, role-playing he, game way to think, yeah, it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be a fish out of water. Yeah, and
1: I think that'll be fun. Yep. He's also, he's visually cool-looking. Like, the actor does, you know, we've joked about it, but he does kind of have that legless vibe. And legless
2: was the supreme badass of the Lord of the Rings yeah. movies. And I think so. after 50-something years, Star Trek can finally go full elf with a Vulcanoid, and it's sure. okay. I think we've earned it. Yeah. yeah.
0: And <laughs> it's a weird thing, but, like, me as a little kid, I was really intrigued by Romulans, but it was kind of more inspired by... The original series Romulans, where they're a bit more of like a warrior culture. Mm-hmm. And some of that kind of like got transferred to the Klingons and Next Generation. But, uh, the, the Star Trek show that I imagined as a little kid was, uh, it was gonna have like a warrior Romulan type badasses <laughs> yeah. like this. So it's so weird for me to see this. Especially when one idea I had was does like, it does it feel like the fulfillment
1: of some childhood hopes and dreams?
0: Yes, because I also wanted to see like a 23rd century bird
2: of prey come back. Yeah, <laughs> and I can't believe that that happened. Also, <laughs> yeah, I've done that in my role playing game in my 24th century <laughs> trek game. So I've twice, I think. <laughs> so,
1: Father what? and uh, um, Brian, I've got a, I've got a question. They made a point to have him mention uh, when he's talking about data. Uh, that he knew that Data had a cat named Spot. He remembers yes. it from Picard talking about it back in the day. And he wants to see a cat one day. Yeah. Do you think we're going to somehow see a cat? That felt I like a, the same question. Or, or, or a Cation,
2: some... yeah.
1: maybe? Like, <laughs> I, I, I actually we... thought a Cation would be awesome. Yeah, uh, we've kind of got a Chekhov's
0: cat thing going where we have to pay off this cat I, thing. I didn't yeah. I didn't see it as something that needed to be paid off, but I did yeah. like that line. Because... I don't think it needs to, but it's a nice bit of color. Yes. I, I, it's, it reminded you that like this guy had like this childhood relationship with Picard, and it really tied this nineteen-year-old Elnor into the eight-year-old Eleanor. Even though like I know that doesn't work out for fourteen years, but that's what I think the actual ages of the actors are. Right. Um. But uh, it it tied that together together because like when he said like uh, I remember he told me stories of of Data. He had an orange cat named Spot. That sounds like a kid's memory. Right. That's something that like a kid would think when they're a kid, and then maybe remember that into adulthood.
1: Right. Picard was probably telling him these nuanced morality plays about his adventures, and he's like, I remember there was a cat named Spot. An <laughs> orange cat. An orange yeah. cat. Uh, pet,
2: showed me a hollow. He was really cute. I want a uh-huh. cat. So. But I'm uh, I'm still,
1: I'm hoping for cat payoff. Yes. Uh, I will not be sad if there's not. We, we get more of <laughs> the absolute
0: candor when Elnor is kind of pushing Picard. He's kind of grilling him a little bit. When he's like, no, tell me why you need me. Why you need me specifically. Mm-hmm. And I, I like I love this riderly dialogue that they put in the show that really works well for yes. Picard and Patrick Stewart can deliver it very well. But when he says, uh, because I'm an old man and you are a young one. And it, yeah. it, this show is a, has a lot to do with like age and... Mm-hmm. Maturity and, like,
1: the, the the growth that we all go through, th- through life. Yeah. Right. And the- Picard is the kind of, I mean, both both Patrick Stewart, the actor, and uh, Jean-Luc Picard, the character, are the kind of person who can say something kind of rather dramatic and succinct like that. Yeah. I, I, uh, and that's, I, by the way, that was a very, uh, Coet Milat? Uh, thing for him to say on.
2: Yeah. Uh, no. I, I, I like... this is That's part of the reason I, this is my favorite episode so far is all these little moments like that. that they that felt thematically integrated. Yeah, and, stuff. And, I, and I just like the character stuff. I just like getting to see Picard do a lot of different things from an acting perspective. I liked
1: seeing him throw down the Romulans only sign. <laughs> yeah, what was up with that, though? He, he was just... ready to make a... He was just... Like, I think he was... Well, like, an old person who cannot keep their opinions to themselves <laughs> was just like... <laughs> but he also
0: he asked Eleanor rejected his offer. Yeah.
1: yeah. Because yeah. He, he
0: tells him you left me alone, old man. I nope. don't I don't see any reason why I shouldn't do the same to you. And so I think he was kind of doing that to like Oh. But I you mean,
1: think he promised it? Yeah, he, yeah he he I think he, fucking I fucking him.
2: I think okay. he kind of wanted to manipulate Eleanor. Oh, I didn't well, get that. All right. So, that makes that's that's
1: I think that could be true, but I also think, because he, I don't know quite what he expected to happen other than a confrontation is a pretty reasonable thing to yeah, expect. He was
2: definitely starting some shit.
1: But uh, my, my, I think my interpretation, my instinctive interpretation was more that he was just, he was a bit like angry and upset over that conversation and that things had gone wrong. And so he's like on his way out and he just kind of does something instinctively. Um, it feels a little duplicitous of him if he's trying to start a fight. Uh, see, I guess that feels like something Kirk would do. I guess is what <laughs> I would say.
2: Yeah, but uh, but I, I think I like Father E version would... better than just he felt like starting some shit and uh, uh, that he probably couldn't finish. Well, actually, <laughs> I don't think it was necessarily... a Ben Sisko move. It was a Ben <laughs> Cisco move, is what it was. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily think he was like
1: wanting to start a fight. I think he was probably thinking, "I will beam up shortly thereafter." Um, but. And uh, to it's be an fair, maybe, idea.
2: maybe he would have been able to talk his way out of it, stall them long enough to beam up. We, you know, cause. Uh, El Elnor, is that how you say it? Yes. Just walks up and suddenly it's back to fighting again. But Picard throws the sword down and maybe he's like, I've got, you know, I'm a level 20 diplomat. I can bullshit this guy for three (laughs) minutes and then I'll beam up.
1: (laughs) Yeah, everything is an RPG uh,
2: uh, lensing for you. I've I've spent entirely too much time running (laughs) and playing games.
1: I did like that the guy that that confronts him is not just some hooligan, but a former senator who even has some memories of Picard card... And has built up some bitterness
2: over the years. Tenkel Madrev is his name. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm
1: definitely never going to remember that
2: again for the rest of my life. <laughs> I was like, wow, because, yeah, there's nothing remotely senatorial about him in his current right. presentation. He he looks like a street thug. Yeah, we've he's had, had no, 15 years to
1: not be senatorial. Yeah, yeah, it was... Four, it, but 14, it, 14 years. 14, but... but, but it, all
0: right. It, we, did, we know how far the the Romulan Empire has fallen. Yes, yes, when it, he's it, talking, it When, it he, when he's it. like, oh, I stood in the Hall of States when you gave your epic speech and... All that stuff, and and uh, no, he's like he's kind of like a thug walking around with a sword, and, yeah. and like, a, like this crime town, in yeah. his segregated Romulan only restaurant.
2: I like that the disruptor had a handguard on it, uh, just like the old uh, military disruptors from TNG. Yeah. I, that was a nice touch that um, they kept that part of the design. And I think part of like Picard,
0: like being such a, a shit starter here, is. Uh, when he is, when he is angry and frustrated here, and he also, he probably feels a bit responsible for, like, the decay of this Romulan colony, and also feels, more than anything, I would think, disappointment that uh, things here didn't work out better, and and that science as Romulans only, that's kind of just, like, uh, punching him in the face of, like, everything that he didn't want to happen here, and so, so that's why he
1: was so, like, disgusted with it, and threw it down, and literally walked over it. Yeah. When we saw in the flashbacks, when they right before they recalled him, and he's talking to Zani, is it? Uh, and and he's 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 very excited. He's like really thankful to her for, for bring, you know helping. They brought in like two hundred and fifty thousand refugees, and and he's like he felt enthusiastic. So yeah, coming back and seeing this, I can see why he'd be bitter. Uh, we will we also will see uh, after the very dramatic rescue by Elnor. Yeah, we gotta talk about that fight. We gotta talk about like the, the, the,
0: the quick swiftness efficiency, like the, just like the, the, the clinical instant kill move that he did. Yeah. Uh, it, it told us so much and show, and so little,
1: and we, we, He was somebody playing the Street Fighter game who knew how to, how the controls worked. (laughs) He he knew how to do the combos. Yeah. He
0: wasn't a button masher. Yeah, the other
1: guy was a button, a senatorial (laughs) button masher. It it
0: tells us a lot about the character very quickly and it's showing, not telling, which is what I said. Like, I I want the show to, to continue to do. Uh, the, the dialogue there too, when he gives them that cool warning where he says, uh, Please, my friend, choose to live. Yeah, that's like a really cool badass thing to say. Because, like,
1: <laughs> I, I am a. It sounds gracious, it, but you're also threatening. Yeah, it, it's it's
0: it conveys confidence, uh threat, uh, uh, at least and, the the concept uh, of a brotherhood, and, and, and yeah, and like uh, concern. Yeah, and and kind of a like like generosity.
1: Right, he is not a angry killer. Uh, he's impetuous, maybe, but he is not a bitter or bloodthirsty person in no. and of itself. I also wanted to mention that after this happens, Picard gives a very sort of heartfelt speech to the Romulans that have assembled to watch it, <laughs> uh, which is the speech of failure. He like acknowledges his complicity in failing them, um, and uh, it's the kind of thing that politicians generally don't do. Um, but but Picard he uh, takes ownership. He takes ownership. Now you get again argue he doesn't have anything to lose at this point he's retired but uh, but it's but I, I don't believe that was what it, was. it wasn't intended he's never been intended to be a guy who does things very much uh, for political gain no.
0: because uh, it goes back to the first duty the next generation episode when Booth be taught him so like uh, we we all make mistakes
1: yeah he has to he he owns up to it um, and 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 that's uh, th- that sort of idealism uh, is why well, I, I can be uh, i can be content with them showing a starfleet that's sort of fallen because i feel like the ideals are clearly represented by the show and its heroes you know yeah.
2: complex not compromised yes. right i i like that the card Took uh, El-, El El Elnor. I always want to say Elsinore. Yeah, that's <laughs> Hamlet. Ah, to to task about his violent solution. Uh, afterwards, I love so. that too. As yeah. soon as they beamed up,
0: as yeah. soon as they got away from the Romulan crowd, yeah. Yeah. and he like he he scolded his ass. Yeah, yeah. he did.
2: Like Rich. that
0: that man did not deserve to die. Don't you ever do that shit again? Yeah. yeah. He was pretty,
2: Uh, he was pretty hardcore about it. And I was kind of like, he probably did deserve to die, but this, (laughs) this is the Star Trek we love. This is the, you know, be the better man Star Trek that we all tune in to see. So I loved it that, that Picard is, is still elevating things.
0: Well, this also explains, uh, Elnor's relationship to Picard, where like, oh, like now that he's like sworn to him, now that like he's accepted Picard and Picard's mission, it's like, he's kind of, going to obey him. Kind of like a samurai and his master. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, we have the space battle with the bird of prey. hmm And the best part of this for me was, like, not only seeing, like, that bird of prey close up. If you notice, though, it is textured a little differently. So I think this is kind of, like, the mo- motion picture era Romulan yeah. ship. Where, like... Mm-hmm. You know how, like, the Constitution got its refit, and then, like, the Klingons went from, like, the D7 to, like, the more detailed Katinga? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was, like, the Romulan answer to that.
1: I like that idea. (laughs) I mean, you know, of course, we would also expect them to spruce it up anyway, just because the FX guys do that. But I like that idea.
0: If the Romulans had shown up in, like, the motion picture, I think this is what their ship would look like.
1: Yeah, yeah. Still very recognizably the classic ship, but
0: retrofitted. But the, uh, the other highlight was the tactical hologram Emmett.
1: <laughs> yeah. Is he kind of a, isn't he, was he sort of more tatted up? He was tatted up
0: and he had long hair and he spoke exclusively in Spanish with subtitles <laughs> and he was
1: like so extremely he seemed burned out. He was casual. Yeah. <laughs> and he, yeah, he seemed like he, like I, he almost looked like he might have like just polished off a bottle of tequila and been kind of like, oh, are we doing this? So where, uh, where I live in central Texas is
0: I, I know like some, uh, Latino metalheads that go to like a lot of concerts hide, and they're yeah. pretty like laid back. Like Do you this, feel like and... this is
1: them. Yeah, I, I <laughs> feel like I feel
0: like they got their representation in Star Trek <laughs> with with Emmet the tactical hologram. But if you're going into battle, you want someone who's going to be like chill and like not uh not getting all worked up.
1: Right. Incidentally, I thought that the battle itself it's not like a super exciting battle. They didn't really play up too much how much danger they were in. It was it was almost a kind of a cool FX scene and just a like a cool skirmish really. It was cool how like they blasted off that nacelle, but then like the bird of prey was like she was still
0: in the fight and got some more disruptor shots yeah. off. Well, yeah, it took out the ship that um, um, we we find that out, brings in our mysterious guest. Yes, that we find out seven of nine was on, which looked a little bit like the Delta flyer. A little bit it had a kind of a similar profile, <laughs> but. It was a weird, like, little small, probably, like, a little bigger than, like, a shuttlecraft. It, it seemed, shuttlecraft, like, a, it seemed but, like a,
1: yeah, a single fighter ship. Like, like
2: Like, between, like, a shuttlecraft and a runabout, I think. Yeah. Uh, Which, at first I was like, how's that little ship dishing out enough damage to hurt this big ship? I thought, well, this ship's got 100-year-old shield, so. She yeah. may
1: have some cool overclocked stuff in there. Who yeah. knows how, yeah. how tough that particular little ship yeah. was. Although she was clearly a little bit flying it a little bit recklessly if she also
2: got tagged so relatively so easy. So yeah. were you guys all like, oh, that's so Seven of Nine in that shuttle? Or were you like, oh, holy shit, coming. that's
0: Seven of Nine? I knew it was coming because I saw in the title sequence when it showed uh, special guest star Jerry Ryan. Oh, I didn't catch that. And then yeah. when they were like... um uh, he's opening a channel. Oh, he, he wants the beam on board. I was like,
1: oh, it's probably going to be her, and that's why like, they're saying he twice. Okay, when they when they were when they were
2: making a bit of a mystery over who it was, I was like, it's seven. Uh, uh, that was that was when I guessed. I, it. I have to admit, I, I didn't. I knew she was in the show at some point, but I was totally until the transporter beam faded away. I was like, oh, it's 709. Okay. This the, totally is she with flat-footed. the Femris
0: Rangers? Yeah, that's what I've I've been told that like they've they've said that somewhere, they've confirmed it. Oh, really? So okay. I guess that was like a Rangers I didn't Pinterest think that Rangers until just show. now. Oh uh,
2: right. But
0: okay. um with this moment when we see her beam over, like even though like I, I knew it was coming, I had figured it out. It reminded me of the very first moment of the show when I, it opens on the Enterprise D in Picard's dream, and we see Data and Picard uh, playing poker. Because, like, that made me, like, so giddy and, like, jump up and down and cheer yeah. childishly. Yeah. Which I don't typically react all, like, fanboyish like that oh, to right. stuff I'm watching. Even, like, when I'm, like, really emotionally moved by it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here when I got to see Jerry Ryan a Seven of Nine again, it got that same reaction from me.
2: You did a little backflip in place. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't flip, but... Uh, I-, I was very happy, and I don't... Really like Voyager, but I was still happy, so <laughs> uh, that, that was it was well done. And she I'm, was the best character on that show. Uh, I like Doc Holliday more, but she was easily second place.
1: Easily, I, and, I, and I'm a Janeway fan, and I, I like I like the hologram, and I like Seven, but um, uh, but I was super happy to see her. Um, uh, I think she she will add one more interesting component to the show. Do we yet know? Is she, like, going to join the crew, or is she just going to be there in passing? She's, she's not in every episode
0: of the season. Okay. She's like She's, like, listed in the credits as a special guest star. Okay. But so they she's going to be going
2: to advise? In the she, Ready Room episode, they say she's going to be around. Yeah, she's yeah. going to be a recurring character, okay. but not a regular okay. character. What's right.
1: interesting is it almost feels like she'd be more appropriate in the Borg sequences on the Borg Cube. Well, she's going to get there eventually, because, like, in those trailers before the show started,
0: we see her, like, finding, like, a mutilated Borg. Yeah. And she's like crying. And she's like all sad about it.
1: I guess that's probably yeah. When things are gonna, of course, come together. Picard's story and the Borg cube story will intersect because that's that's where his goal is yeah. to get there. Um, well, all we get from her
0: here is like you owe me a ship, Picard, and then she <laughs> passes out. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we're gonna start off next week with the emergency medical hologram, like maybe like nursing her back, and
1: then we'll probably get some information from her. Maybe find out what these finris rangers are all about she could also in that dialogue they could bring out a little bit more about his hologram stuff if they choose to tell more of that
2: story they could also have a gag where he the the emh is all like and this person doesn't want me to remove the hunks of metal inside them either (laughs) (laughs) they
1: um uh, and of course she's had experiences with emhs (laughs) yes she
2: does actually that's true
1: now, uh, that's pretty much everything
0: that happens with the, uh, the La Serena crew. Mm-hmm. So that means it's time to talk about Soji on the Borg Cube! <laughs> yeah, but we, we get some, some more, uh, some more Borg Romulan shit here with, uh, Soji and Nerik. Uh, the thing that I thought was interesting was that Soji has a framed picture of her and Daj. Okay. So at one point, they must have been around each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also find out that the ship that she was on that brought her to the cube was three years ago. Right. Um, and there wasn't a record of her being a passenger on there. So this does fall in line with what we found out a little bit about Dodge, where there is no record of her from previous to three years. So right. We,
1: so they had to have been built within the last yeah, three if, years.
0: If they're twins, if they were created at the same time, because that's how that reproduction process works... Than they they would have came out three years ago.
1: They, um, I was honestly, uh, I was, I'm, I feel like the motivations and the uh, sort of of what's going on in the board cube is getting a little hazy for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, what exactly like Narek, uh wants to find out. Uh, he we know from behind the scenes him talking to uh, Rizzo. Is it yeah? That's the only name we know her by yet. His sister. Um, that uh, that they want to. That they ultimately want to kill her but they want to like they want to get to this what hive is that what their nest is that what yeah they call they're it? calling it the
0: nest but I think that's just what they're because like they're, they're so disgusted with these uh um, right. synthetics that that's what they're gonna
1: now he doesn't want her to he doesn't want to like push her too far or she'll activate is and, what he then, said. and then they'll have
0: to kill her because and then they'll have to she'll kill start her kicking everyone's ass
1: but he brought up in this episode like doesn't he bring up that there's no records before then so is he trying to like have her kind of slowly come to the realization that she's synthetic he, yeah but not he, suddenly he he
0: planned a seed, as he described Oh, that's it, right? right. That's the term that so, they use. So, yeah, he, he's waiting for her to... He's, he's trying... Uh, I, th- I think the intent here is that he's trying to embed this this mystery into her. Uh, she's, like, a very curious person, to where, like, she'll go and figure it out. Right. And then, uh... Then by he can extension, manipulate her from there. He'll, he'll get the information. He'll know it. But now he's also going to have to hurry, because Rizzo said, okay, you have one more week, and then yep. we're doing it my way. We're just going to end up with this robot girl. She actually yeah. calls her robot girl. He's yeah. going to end up with robot girl getting
3: killed,
1: right? I did like, by the way, that she has has you know she's guessed that he's Tal Shiar um, effectively um, at this point.
2: Um, uh, I don't... All this appearance of Tal Shiar being such a major part of this this story has me thinking. Are we really not going to get Sela again? Sela, uh, how do you say that? Sela, Sela, Sela. It seems like you know, she's in the she's in the Telshiar, right? Shouldn't she cross crop? She's on the Telshiar, wasn't she? I no, she's she's in the military. The military, okay. God. Well, they they wear the same uniform, but all right. So maybe that, that makes more <laughs> sense. So well, I, I, I would I would like her to show up. Yeah. What did y'all think of their hallway grease slide? I thought it was fun. I thought it was a uh, or, you know, we've seen these two people are slowly falling in love done so many times. This was a fun different way to say see it. I was okay with it except for Narek going like <laughs> when he's
1: sliding down the hallway. See, see, I
2: liked it because he shouldn't be doing that.
1: All <laughs> no, right, it, it would be it's the kind of thing kind of giddy dumb stuff you do with someone you're in love with, so it it makes oh, it makes some sense to my me. My interpretation was like, "Oh, like He's doing something really stupid, but maybe that's, like, a normal thing for Romulans to do. <laughs> I mean, maybe it is. But the, the impression I got that was that he, in his duplicity, wanted to convey uh, a level of exuberance that he does not outwardly show most of the other times. It's like, this is just for you. Only with you would I have this kind of unabashed enthusiasm. It was their equivalent of ice skating. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, But, of course, that scene ends with her getting pissed at him, so, like, he didn't... Uh, uh, the, is that also where he revealed that, uh, the, the thing about her records? Yeah. Yeah. We, so. That's what pissed her off. Right. Was when, okay. Was so he, he, he actually did accomplish what he wanted out of that. Yeah. Like he, he kind of
0: called her a liar when he, yeah. when he pointed out, like, there wasn't a, a record of you on this ship. And yeah. She tells him to go to hell. And like, what I thought was kind of like a awkward line delivery.
1: Yeah. Um. And then he goes back to his quarters she, and then She his... should have said, just go fuck yourself or something like that. <laughs> yeah. That it, would have been a good use of it. He goes back to his quarters where his uh, his naughty sister shows up. Yes, and... we get some clandestine Romulan fuckery again. <laughs> yeah. <Fickery. laughs> yeah, feckery. yeah, um, fuckery. She got kind of abusive in this one though. She straight up strangled his ass for a few seconds. Yeah, I think there might have actually been
0: like some dick grabbing under under the covers. Oh, I'm, at this. Point, I'm really hoping that they're not biological brother <laughs> and sister. They're, they're part of, like, maybe that's what the right, Zotvash... you had suggested
1: yes. that these could be just codes for, for ranks and or, stuff or like that. Or maybe the
2: Zotvash, they just call everyone brother or sister. Yeah, well, their agents are brothers and kind sisters. They report to grandma or father and mother, you know. Yeah. That, I, I've certainly seen that in spy organizations in sci-fi and, and I stuff I love it before. when you call me Big Pop.
0: Yeah. <laughs> or, or it might just be like, oh, like when you're like a union and you have like all your union brothers and sisters.
1: But they, if nothing else, they are playing with the idea of them being Lannister-like uh, twins. Um, and again, it's one of those things where I'm like, if it's not supposed to be that, it's it's, it's kind of a little tawdry for Trek to be doing uh, to to like play with the uh, audience only to, I guess, later make us think, oh, well, I was thinking the worst, and in fact, they were. She was just a weird superior officer yeah. who was being abusive. The, the theory with
0: the Zotvash that I want to talk about uh-huh. is, what if the secret that the Zotvash, the secret police within the secret police of the Talshiar, Shiar, what if that secret that they've been sworn to protect for 2,000 years is the reason why they're named after the dead, because the dead are the only reliable keepers of secrets. Uh-huh. What if that secret is that... The Romulan origin on the Vulcan planet is that Vulcans created these biological synthetic people, mm. and that's the Romulans, and that's why they had, like, this war with the Vulcans and eventually left, and they're trying to, like, keep that secret, and that's why, like, they're so anti-AI.
1: They are essentially replicants in Blade Runner, to or, use that kind of terminology. Yeah, on they're the either, ones.
0: like, Vulcan
1: replicants or, Vulcan Cylons.
2: or Vulcan Cylons. Yeah. It's awfully close to BSG. <laughs> well, would the
1: idea be though that they that most Romulans don't know this, and that they in their inner circle considers this such a horrible thing to learn that you come from essentially synthetic stock that it would it could potentially crush the spirit of their whole yeah, empire. Maybe, maybe something like that. I, I could see that. I I kind of like it. It's whatever they say. I hope it's at least on that scale of bigness mm. because they've you know the the fact that the Tal Shiar and the uh, Zhat is are such a
2: kind of big and deep secret thing. I feel like it needs to be something big. And they've already started talking, bringing in Armageddon m- mythology from the exactly. Romulan m- not mythology. Ganmadan? Romulan. Yeah, yeah. they're yeah. Uh, Ragnarok. Yeah. yeah. Ragnarok.
0: Yeah. Which, speaking of Nordic mythology, uh, I do want to bring up that the uh, Fenris Rangers. Oh, yes. Ch 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 <laughs> Rangers uh, Jesus Christ! I'm just testing out different stuff. <laughs> it's better than
2: the Soji and the Borg cubes. Okay, but uh,
0: Finris from uh, the uh, the Nordic myths was a wolf that was like a, a super badass wolf that was son of Loki. It was going to grow too large and destroy Asgard, and they had to tear had to sacrifice his arm to bind the wolf mm-hmm. Finris. Um, do you think there's actually anything that's going to do you think they mean it other than just a cool name? I I don't know like why else you would use it. Yeah. But I mean, it sounds cool. That does make you kind of sound like badasses like we're the Fenris Rangers I guess. No, the other connection there. Fenris was
1: is basically the wolf who who can, who breaks every chain. Um and and even the chain well, that they bind him with, he still eventually gets out in Ragnarok. Well, yeah, but that hasn't happened yet. I, I it's hard for me to imagine that they mean for that mythology to really come through and have any sort of stronger, bigger metaphor, or that it's a, like, a, um, a thematic lead-up to something. But maybe. Now, the... Since Armageddon is at least in the air. The other the other connection that we might
0: have here, if we can cross streams and go into Greco-Roman mythology, mm-hmm. which does kind of have a tie to the Romulans, uh, with their planets being named Romulus and Remus. Now, those are named after two sons of Mars... Mm-hmm. Um, another god of war, like Tyr. Yep. Uh and Romulus and Remus, uh they were raised by like a, a mother wolf yep. who like nursed them. Yep. And then that kind of ties into like Soji and Dodge and what we heard last week with Ramda saying, Are you the one who lives, or are you the one who dies? Because Remus died, and that's why Rome was named after Romulus. Right. Instead of Remus.
1: I think but, if nothing else, they they wanted to, I think, have a a little sort of thematic resonance with this. I, I had thought about that a few weeks ago, the Romulus-Remus connection uh, and the founding of Rome. But, like, I don't know. Like, are these going to be the founders of something? Founders of a new movement? The founders of a new new Romulus? The Romulan movement does get a lot of uh, talk there. And if it turns out they're synthetics um, and that somehow gets broken to the Romulan people and they have to deal with it, uh, well, what if... Uh, uh, was it... Who's the one on the board cube? Soji. Soji... If she becomes the founder of a new Romulus uh, or uh, a Sojulus or whatever. But she's the Cheb Zaneb. She's the destroyer. Uh, the destroyer of their old world. It could so, be a metaphor. But,
0: uh, I'm still not trying. Destroyer
1: why, of old preconceptions. Why would they have a prophecy predicting all this? Uh, I don't and I, I don't really like these kind of prophecy type things. But if you're not going to bring in like time travel or something. Um,
2: Star Trek would never do that.
1: <laughs> uh, but Picard's already had a prophetic dream. Um, we don't know
2: if it was a prophetic dream. Yeah, we don't know for sure. We he dreamed sure. about data, and then a bunch of data stuff happened. Right. Yeah. But and
1: it, some of those the the cards and stuff may have meaning or may not. That may just purely be thematic resonance meant for us, we viewers, to kind of enjoy it, but not literally meant to be. Picard has is a precog cog, um, but. Uh, there's there's enough tissue here that I could see them running with that, uh, the, the that Romulan mythological quality if they wanted. They could they could tie it into things if they wanted.
0: Yeah. If, if there are, like, accurate predictions of the future, I would like there to be some explanation. Even if it's like, oh, like an ancient Romulan computer predicted all of this has happened before and will happen again. <laughs> to make it even more BSG. So, um... I'll just move on into what we're no longer calling Easter eggs, but from now on, we shall ever call Gorn eggs. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. Thank you, Star Trek Picard episode three. (laughs) But uh, these are all the things that I noticed in this episode that we haven't discussed yet, Um, starting all the way back at the beginning of the episode in the prologue when Zanny says that Picard is not overly fond of children. This ties into what we know from Picard dating all the way back to Encounter at Farpoint, but certainly mentioned throughout Star Trek: The Next Generation that
1: Picard is not good with kids. Yep, I uh, I was glad to see that mentioned because it does. Uh, it, it's probably the, the one of the bigger examples of character
2: growth for him. It felt odd to me that this Romulan knew that is she, especially since we know she is not a Talsiar.
1: Well, uh, I could imagine back in the day, uh, you know, they're like, I mean, you know, how it just,
2: famous was Picard's anti kid thing. Did he they, like he's kick a little, bunch down the stairs? Well, they at some they, point? they knew each other. Refugees. Like, they, they, like she knew Picard. Like we don't,
0: like they might have known each other for uh, a few years at this point. And also, like if he, everyone has to talk to you with
1: absolute candor, you probably get to know people pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, there was a lot of refugees there. I'm imagining he had to deal with kids, and maybe <laughs> he pawned some job off at some point on somebody else. And he's like, "I'm not good with children." Huh.
0: Uh, the the book that we mentioned was The Three Musketeers, which also showed up in Star Trek when we saw uh, Lieutenant Reginald Barclay uh, doing some uh, shenanigans in the holodeck. Yep. Where Picard, Geordi, and Data appeared as The Three Musketeers. Yep. We see Picard fencing with Elnor in the prologue, uh, which we also saw P- Picard gearing up to sword fight Guinan back in oh, Iborg. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Dr. Juraiti and Chris Rios mentioned that the only holo content on the ship is Klingon opera. Uh, We, of course, know that Worf is a big fan of Klingon opera.
2: I'm thinking he had a Klingon boyfriend or girlfriend on the ship who put all in that's why all that's there. He certainly didn't want to talk about it. Yeah, that, that, that was my read from I don't want to talk about that. When we hear that
0: doorbell door chime on the holodeck, Picard barks, come. Oh, uh, yeah. Just like he, he would do it in the ready room if Old someone... school. If someone knocked on the door. Picard uses the Romulan greeting, "Jol'on True, which we heard in Unification, mm-hmm. the uh, season five TNG episode with Spock. Uh, this was a really cool thing that I didn't notice till like, the second time I watched it, and I actually had to check online to see if other people had caught this or if I kind of imagined it, but when... Narek and Saji are about to go do their bored traditional ice skating down a <laughs> greasy hallway. Yeah. Um, she does this little tick where she like tilts her head real quickly. Like, Brit Spiner would do as Data uh, all the time. Did not catch <laughs> so, that, but
1: that's kind of nice. Yeah,
0: I like that like, little visual reminder But oh yeah, this is Data's daughter. Yeah. Also in that Narek and Soji sequence, they appear to be drinking blue liquid in their lunchroom, which I'm going to assume
2: is Romulan ale. It's not just looking like Romulan ale. The bottle looks like the one McCoy brought to Kirk in Star Trek 3. Star Trek 2. 2. Star Trek 2. Sorry. In Star Trek 2. And I was like, oh, wow, it's it's not exactly... It's really close to being the same type of bottle with this very fancy top... Um, And that made me realize, okay, I guess retroactively those, that must be the actual Romulan bottles that they keep their Romulan ale in. That wasn't just McCoy put it in some other bottle or something. (laughs) Uh, Because I always, because the other glasses from the movie era Star Trek looked kind of like they could have. Come from the same set as that bottle, so mm-hmm. I assumed it was a Federation bottle, but no, clearly a Romulan bottle. Nice. I, I was very, that was my yeah. favorite Easter that's egg. That's
0: how you know it's the real deal from across the border. Yeah, it's yeah. Like if it's imitation if it's got but that funny top. From to across it. the neutral zone. So, yes, I was. that was my favorite Easter egg. <laughs> Nurik points out that the ship that brought Soji to the board cube was the Ellison. I'm going to assume that's named after Harlan. Yep. Yeah. Uh, a... R.I.P.
1: Yeah, big sci-fi authors get might get ships in the future, you know. Somewhere. Yeah, but
0: that also works in the Kelvin verse where we had a ship named after... Uh, Bradbury? The, yeah. Is yeah. it Bradbury or Bradbury? Bradbury. Yeah, is that what B. I said? Yeah. yeah. Um, Bradbury. And uh, I, I'm sad that Harlan Ellison is no longer with us, but I'm glad that we can put little tributes like this to him in Star Trek, and not worry about him suing anybody. <laughs> right.
1: If nothing else, there would be angry backlash uh, as he very much burned his bridges with Star Trek. I, I Read know. all about it anywhere that you want, but there's a, it's a, there's fun tales from behind the scenes.
2: I thought about saying something about that. I thought, ah, oh, no, I'm not going to go there. Oh, they you go in there. So. <laughs> now, the Romulan ex-senator
0: who loses his head with Picard and Elnor. Yeah. See what I did there? Don't lose your head. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, he talks about a Wallenberg-class transport. And I think this is probably named after Raoul Wallenberg, who was a Swedish diplomat who helped save a lot of uh, mm. Jewish people from the Holocaust uh, in Hungary during World War II. Nice. And that Wallenberg-class transport was named the Nightingale, We also got a Nightingale named ship in Star Trek Voyager in the Season 7 episode, which I think was also called Nightingale, where uh, those aliens on the little medical ship uh, really like Harry Kim and they want to make him their captain, and he renames the ship Nightingale. Mm -hmm. This is like, finally, people who appreciate me. They don't have to be (laughs) be an ensign anymore. And, of course, the bird of prey that we've already gushed over that is all I got for the born Eggs, but if there's anything I missed that you caught, be sure to let me know. You can uh, comment on YouTube, uh, tweet at me on Twitter, or hit up our Facebook page. And if you do that, feel free to mention anything about this episode, and we might share that feedback in our next podcast, because right now, we're going to do the same thing for last week's episode. Uh, so, Dave,
1: what did we receive on the subspace transmissions? Let's take a look. Uh, Boat Trek writes, uh, I get that people will always have bad habits, but the vaping, vaping and cigar smoking bothers me, despite the excuses Chabon offers to justify it in the series. Uh, for those that didn't see, uh, Michael Chabon did a little five-minute slightly, slightly snarky... Uh, response to some of the criticisms and I suggest everybody watch it even if it's gonna make you mad. It's on Instagram and I thought they were actually pretty valid explanations
2: Yeah it did make me I I didn't understand why this woman was was so broken after working with Picard but then he explained she was broken before and Picard was kind of helping her hold herself together and then when Picard left she went back to her old ways I was like okay so Picard didn't break this woman alright that makes more sense Alright, so uh,
1: Dan Gunther writes, talking about the. This was the episode that notably concluded with the attack on the vineyard where uh, Laris and uh, Zaban went uh, ballistic. Uh, he writes, uh, really enjoyed it, especially on the second viewing. Lots to dissect in this episode. I wonder how many more Romulan bodies will be piled up at the vineyard when Picard finally returns. Uh, Laris and Zaban are phenomenal. And,
0: yeah, I was a little worried about just, like, leaving them with the Zat knowing about them on their vineyard. I mean, they're but... not just
1: going to keep coming back once oh, they know Picard's gone, I right? was
0: also like, yeah, I think those two will be fine. They can clearly take care of themselves.
1: <laughs> uh, Lily Stregdor says, I thoroughly enjoyed it. However, I'm now uh, wary to trust Dr. Joradi. I like her, but oh, did something sinister, in my opinion. For sure, it was odd that they didn't show what was actually transpired between them. <laughs> Uh, I think that's got to come back at some point. For all we know, that Gerardi
0: is uh, an android built by Maddox, and she, like, murdered
1: O right when that happened. I mean, maybe. Oh, wow. I
2: hadn't thought about that, but
1: that... Wow. (laughs) Okay. Jude Beacom writes, Now that we've finally met our hero ship, I will not be satisfied unless this season concludes with the La Serena and the Enterprise F teaming up for a balls-to-the-wall space battle against a giant, grinning F-8. Um... F8? Like Fate, or F8, the the synthetic that s-
0: started the attack on uh-huh. Mars. <laughs> oh, <laughs> second episode flashback. A giant
1: grinning. <laughs> we literally a monstrous version of him? Yeah, but like, when I'm there's like a it. giant
0: F8 head in space, and he does like that weird inhuman smile, and goes, hell yeah! <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> then I'm down for it. Yeah. <laughs> It was one of the more memorable threats this show has shown, and they flashed back to him several times, so hell yeah, I'm into it. He's the secret final boss of the season. <laughs> All right, meanwhile, over on Facebook, Adam B. Owen says, Loved it. Rio seems like a very interesting character. Uh, we see more of his uh, emergency holograms and their various personalities and accents. What a cool little exercise for an actor to play a variety of roles. Uh, I also loved his conversation with Picard telling him, You're Starfleet. Which tells us a few things, namely that both Picard and Rios may have a story arc that brings them back into the fold, believing in Starfleet again. That'll be interesting to see. I we, s-
0: we saw a little hint that they still kind of have those, those Starfleet habits, where Picard gave Rios an order, basically, to change course, and Rios just obeyed. Like, oh, Admiral says we gotta go here, I'm going here. Yeah,
1: she was kind of poking at him for that. Uh, Michael Wolman says, Rios mentions... Rios mentions he's an expensive pilot. What's he getting paid in? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought we were past the point of money. I've seen this come up with, like, one or two friends mentioned this, too.
0: Yeah, we should be. Uh, I, I don't... I, I wish they would just stop talking about, like, money on Earth uh, altogether, because that's kind of what we know from past continuity, but it has, it has been mentioned
2: before. Yeah. Even I'm this kind very of a, episode, yeah, he I, mentioned it again. I'm kind of okay with him deciding he wants to be paid and so but i would like to know if we're gonna go there then we kind of need to know where did picard get the money what is he paying him in i I mean well
0: there's off-world currencies that you you might need if you're in business other places that aren't on earth yeah
2: so yeah if you're gonna bring up the he's getting paid you do need to I, i think you do need to bring up how is how are they paying him because as you say, I don't think Picard's got a bunch of cash lying around. Yeah, I mean, it's and, and there's should... gold
1: press Latinum. It's the one and only main currency we yeah. know. Uh, <laughs> what is Picard that's...
2: doing with a bunch of gold well, press there's, Latinum? There's <laughs> other
1: there's other currencies mentioned in Star Trek. I, I, I know. know it's just but, the it's yeah. the iconic one, maybe the most iconic. Yeah. Uh, by the way, this, is, this was a separate post, but Adam B. Owen also says, "I got to wonder where is New Romulus in all of this? Where's their government, uh, New Homeworld? Can't imagine the Romulan Empire is that splintered, considering how vast it was." It would be interesting to see some reference or representation of what their empire looks like now, uh, if it is an empire, and if the loss of Romulus Remus has tempered some of their duplicity, or only made it worse. Yeah, and
0: we we have heard mention of the Romulan Free State, which owns the the Borg Cube, I guess, but uh, now we also know about the Romulan Rebirth Movement. Yeah. Which kind of sounds like it might be like a more, like, um, ethnocentral, nationalistic
2: type... uh, For sure, yeah. That is absolutely what they're heading towards. Type of toward. things. I assume that's oh. what the armbands were for in, when Picard beams yes. down. I mean, they don't explicitly that's, say that, but that's, that's my the, assumption.
0: Uh, your your Romulan-only crowd is the, is the Romulan rebirth
2: movement, I think, yes. is what we can infer. Mm-hmm. And presumably wanting to rebuild the Star Empire as a conquering body once but, again.
0: This is, uh, this is kind of similar to what the Star Trek Online game has done, where they have the... Again, keeping it Roman, they have the Romulan Republic... Which forms after the destruction of uh, their homeworld, but they also have the Romulan Empire as a separate group who's trying to like maintain the old ways, and they're kind of uh, spearheaded by the Tal
1: Shiar. Interesting. Yeah. So you have Empire v Republic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wonder. It's I don't think they're gonna like. Th- this doesn't feel like a series that wants to get too much into geopolitics or galacto-politics. galactopolitics? yeah well that is one of the things but i wanted to know about but they're up against it like it's definitely revealed on the you know it, it may be revealed sort of on the side uh in any case that's all i've got from the mailbag this week uh, so we will go ahead and be signing off but be sure to
0: check us out sunday when we discuss the upcoming episode stardust city rag uh, which will again be directed by jonathan Frakes. Nice, and it's gonna have seven and nine. Uh, yeah, and uh, also Canto Bite apparently.
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> but we'll see you then, and until then, as always, live, live long, long and prosper, y'all. y'all.
2: Listen to the Text Trek podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or at text-trek.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com/text-trek, and follow Fathery e on Twitter at txtrek. Please support us by liking our videos and subscribing to our channel on YouTube. Thank you and take care.